job finding tips and strategies. Resume tips, what to include in your cover letter, and how to manage your references are all part of this Bernie Chats with Bart Zick, certified resume strategist. Now let's get started. We're back talking with Bart Zick, founder of the KISS Academy and KISS Career Coaching. He's a certified resume strategist, and he has lots to tell us about his experience with helping people get jobs and coaching on job finding techniques. Bart, do you want to say a few words about yourself? I'm just going to piggyback off of what you said. So absolutely, I uh, created KISS Coaching and uh, the KISS Academy, which is an online school with uh, courses that I'm, that I'm building up focusing on uh, business communication, uh, job search, resume development, and related documents. So Bart, what would you say the main purpose of a resume is? Uh, one word answer, marketing. Think of your resume and your cover letter as your marketing documents and as the, as the acronym for in, in persuasion that we use for the different steps in persuasion, ADA, attention, interest, desire, action. So your cover letter and your resume as marketing tools serve the purpose to grab the attention of the recruiter and gain the interest of the hiring manager. Hmm. So that's the marketing part. And then right. when, if or when you get invited to um, an interview, that's where you're selling. So the marketing is passive. You've written your resume and you, you submitted it. There's nothing else you can do at this point. And then your sales is active. You go to your, your job interview, and now you can participate in the sales process. You can persuade, you can give examples, you can um, provide a proof and, and explanations as well. Mm -hmm. So think about it as a two-step process. Uh, marketing, um, resume and cover letter, job interview, you're selling. Mm, I see. Great. You know, for the past eight or nine years, part of the courses that I was teaching at college was career development and resume writing because mm. it's part of the writing part of, of business education and, and writing and, and creating cover letters. And I quickly discovered that not only students, but a lot of people in their careers, they don't know themselves very well, mm -hmm. right? Now they, they operate automatically. So maybe they don't, they never uh, took the time to look inwardly about how they arrived at the position they are at right now. But I've dealt with senior level, um, you know, clients and I've looked at their resume. I'm thinking you're coming to me for help. Mm -hmm. I should be coming to you, you know, mm -hmm. but I discovered that that's not the case. The case is the it's much more of a coaching situation or, or, or a coaching conversation mm. and not so much resume writing. This right. is why I decided to pursue the, the certified resume strategist uh, designation because of the word strategist. It, a writing a resume is a strategy and not just getting to know, you know, not just identifying your career progression, but what made you do it? Why did you do it? And I, I ask some people, you know, um, what are your accomplishments? And the typical answer is, I don't have any. Okay. Especially if we're looking at people who are just beginning their career. And I say, no, 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 oh, wait a minute. 
let's review. And then we have a conversation. I ask them some pertinent questions and then their eyes open up and they say, wow, you know, I didn't know that's an accomplishment. You see, because you didn't look inwardly. Mm -hmm. So the, the way I work with clients on resumes and students as well, is that it's not a resume writing activity. It's a getting to know yourself activity mm. and recognizing what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, being able to talk about them, being able to develop a plan for, you know, mitigating the weaknesses and mm -hmm. capitalizing on the strengths and then communicating that in a resume, which is a marketing document. It's not a job search document. It's a marketing document. So, you know, I, I say to my students and clients, what's your value proposition? And they say, what does that mean? And I say, okay, let's talk sales. Yeah, that's right. It's very transferable. And it's almost mm -hmm. like you could break it down into two, two segments. One, learning about and understanding the, the topic. And then two, putting it onto paper, right? Makes sense. I, I, love this, I love this whole strategy idea behind resumes. It sounds very valuable. Yeah. It like, can be very valuable for a lot of people. And it's absolutely a strategy because what works for applying to one type of company or employer mm -hmm. will not work for another type. Totally. There's a lot of research involved and it is marketing and sales, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, as a salesperson, what do you do first? You yeah. research your potential clients and as a marketer, what, what, what are the demographics? What do they need? What do they want? What problems do they have? And then we need to tailor a document that communicates how you as the product will help to solve those problems. Wonderful. Yeah, that's a good. So figuring out where the gap is, where the need is. Exactly. Uh, and, then, and then explaining to them, the decision maker, how you're going to fill that need better than anybody else could. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I have some people ask me, should I use a, a resume writing service? Or, or they mm -hmm. say to me, can you write a resume for me? I say, no, because mm -hmm. the only person who can do that is you. Right. But I can guide you. I can facilitate the process. And I'd rather do that because I'd rather teach you how to fish than give you the fish. Right. Right. Because if, if you understand how to do it, the next time you can try to do it by yourself. Now you're empowered. If I write it for you, I'm not empowering you. What are the, say, the one or three key things that people should consider when they're going through that process of figuring out what the topic is going to be and what their proposition is going to be in the resume? All right, that's a big question. <laughs> let's, see, <laughs> let's see if we can break it down. The two words that I mentioned a moment ago, value proposition, uh, is key. Uh, being able to define what you as a candidate can offer what value do you offer to your employer mm -hmm. and the value that you can offer that you've defined needs to match the needs and the wants and, and, and the and the challenges and the problems of the employer and that's why i keep saying it's like sales it is sales mm -hmm. it is for uh, sure. so being able to define what do you bring to the table or simply answer the question why should i hire you and the answer is not generic. It's, it's a little bit different for every situation. So being able to adapt that. Let, let, let me cover some of the basics of a resume. Why don't we do that? Sure. Should every resume be sent in with a cover letter? Only about 5% of cover letters are actually read. Looking at that statistic, it might 
make you say, then I'm just not going to spend time or, or invest my time in writing one. Mm -hmm. But then I say, on the other hand, what if you don't send one mm -hmm. and the company that you sent your application to is one of those companies that actually does read the cover letter. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You just shot yourself in both feet. <laughs> right? And I would imagine too, if the company says include a cover letter, oh, you better darn well absolutely. include a cover letter. Don't overlook absolutely. that detail. No. I think that's one of the key things too, is with, with uh, when, when a company's put requests in their job posting, make sure you address those requests. 100%, yeah. 100%. Um, and I think even writing a cover letter, if, even if it's not read, I think is a very useful activity. It gives, you the it gives you several opportunities that you don't have with just a resume. Mm -hmm. It gives you an opportunity to tell a short story. It gives you an opportunity to elaborate on something that you're really proud of that you think might match the requirements of the company you're applying to. Right. It also, and this is very important, it also gives you the opportunity to demonstrate to your employer your writing skills. For sure. And during my time, I've spoken a lot with, uh, with employers who provide internship opportunities for students. And their number one comment or, or concern is when I, when I say to them, you know, what is one skill that you would like to see your interns develop more? The, the number one answer from everybody is writing. People can have great presentation skills. They may verbally communicate very well. They may work, work well on teams. Mm -hmm. They may be uh, excellent at doing research mm -hmm. at, uh, at customer service. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to writing, this is, and, and I've actually, I've seen this with my students as well. It's, it's the writing that, that, that is the weakest skill, generally speaking. I think students and, and most people have never actually been taught how to write. Mm. Uh, sure, in high school, they take time to write essays, write stories, you know, they study literature, but nobody is taught at a high school level, because I believe in university, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of too late. Um, nobody is taught how to write, and this is the acronym for, for my brand, KISS, Mm -hmm. keeping it short, simple, and specific. Mm -hmm. You know, when I have students from high school in my business courses, when they start to write, they write like they were writing fiction stories. They're writing essays. Mm -hmm. but that's not how we write in business. So, so maybe one of the key differentiators is the difference between writing and communicating. Yes. So and being able to put across your message in a concise manner is something a lot of people lack. There's a funny story about a copywriter who was told, uh, can you write me a story? And he said, sure, I can write it in 3000 words. And they said, well, can you write it in 250 words? And a copywriter said, sure, but it'll cost you extra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, yeah. we're laughing, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Being able to be concise and you know, the five C's of writing. Actually, I got the KISS acronym yeah. from the five C's of writing. And, the and five what are the five C's? Clear, correct, complete, courteous, and concise. Ah, okay. Right? Very and I good. thought five C's, 
we can we can summarize that in three short simple specific <laughs> so that's another, how you got the kiss level. acronym i like that that's good <laughs> it took that to another level but absolutely it works i think it's, it's the conciseness uh, that many native english speakers have have a challenge with hmm. uh, and then compounded on top of that is the correct grammar sentence structure so somebody who has english as another language might have that as a challenge the correct part but yeah. so many native english speakers are such poor writers uh, I, was, I was going to say even as native english speakers you could have that same challenge you know, punctuation sentence structure yes, and for so sure. on and so on um and it, and it's 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 extremely important but there's one tip that i kind of tested out with my students and it seems to work really well mm -hmm. for everybody okay great i noticed that even though somebody might speak and present well, orally, verbally, right. uh, when it comes to writing, something strange happens. And that is people try to appear more educated, more intelligent, and more professional mm. than they actually are. Right. And that results in a word salad. Mm. Uh, words that I have to go to the dictionary to look up, mm -hmm. or they're archaic, you know, from... 18th century English or something. A lot of younger people are guilty of this, but so are professionals sometimes. Sure. This is the tip I have. If you're going to write something, a paragraph or a sentence, now this takes a little bit of time at the beginning, but once you get the hang of it, it becomes second nature. Do this. Take your phone or whatever device you have, take your recording application and record and say what you want to write but say it like you're talking to somebody. Right. Press stop, press play, and write what you said, mm -hmm. and then edit for punctuation. Awesome, that's a great tip. And when my students start to do this, it's, see, they come back the next day and I said, uh, did you write this? Or did your friend write this? Or your parents or, or, or your, your manager or something? No, no, I wrote this. Did you use the technique that I shared with you? Yes, see? <laughs> so the, the goal of, of trying to appear more intelligent, more educated, more professional than you really are, most of the time it back, backfires. A lot of times we want to prove that we are a creative writer or an English literature graduate. Yeah. Right? And I, I, I tell people, you know what, take those, those multi-syllable words and throw them out and put on shorter words, easier words, because this way you're making your writing more accessible to more people. Mm. This is true for resumes and cover letters. Imagine a recruiter, and we said a recruiter is a gatekeeper. This is not the hiring person. This is yeah. not the hiring manager. Their job is to sift through mountains of resumes and simply create two piles, in or out. Right. For further consideration to be read in more detail, or out. This gets shorter and shorter every year. But typically, in a busy, large corporation, a recruiter will spend six to 10 seconds initially glancing at your resume. The more long words you have, the more difficult it is for a recruiter to, to skim through your resume. Mm, makes sense. Which means you're helping the recruiter to take your resume and put it into the garbage pile. If you're trying to be too creative with your giant words you're you know? working at cross purposes working against yourself if you're doing that exactly exactly so so question i love i love the segue here how long should a resume be 
<laughs> I just did a YouTube video about this uh, yesterday. Did you really? And wow, it's, a, it's such a great topic because I find there's confusion out there. as well. Yeah. You know, we had, I had a client, he sent me recently a resume uh, and I provide feedback on resumes and, 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 and so on. That's part of the services you offer is resu of resume audit. It's, it's, and it's a video audit. So, so you know, it, it's awesome. like this. The person is looking at their resume and they can see exactly what I'm highlighting. That's such with. a great way to get the feedback. And it, it is because I can be very specific uh, yeah. down to, to, to the word saying, you know, replace this word. Good. And he sent me this resume on one page and he had barely any margins on the uh. page, top and sides, and everything was really squished together with very small font. And some of the suggestions I gave to him was consider making bleeding your resume onto a second page, increase the margin, increase the font size, increase the, the, the white space, because design is, is, a, is a critical element. Why? Mm -hmm. Because imagine, you know, you're spending your whole day looking at resumes as a recruiter. You're going to get eye strain. Yeah. If you're looking at a resume that's chock full of text, it's going to make you cranky, especially if you've looked at hundreds of them in one day. Mm -hmm. And a cranky recruiter is, is not a friendly recruiter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're decreasing your chance. So I said to him, bring it over to a second page. And he said, but all the research I did online suggested that I keep my resume to one page. Wow, one page. One page. <laughs> and I said, you know, and this guy had, uh, he, he was at the beginning of his career, but he already had work experience. Right. And I think he listed two companies that he's already worked at. He had some great accomplishments. He had some good education. And I said to him, you know, elaborate about some of the tools you used to mm -hmm. do your projects in your school and, and elaborate on this and so on. And he said, oh, but that's going to make it too long. And I said, you know, uh, these days with micro certifications, with continuous learning, with, with tools like uh, LinkedIn.com and, and, and so on, your certification section, your education section should be growing as you progress in your career mm -hmm. because it's evidence of continuous learning. Mm -hmm. And so, you that's know, a good, that's a very good point. Yeah. And because of the trend these days. Now, mm -hmm. a one page resume may have been the ideal length 20 years ago, but it's not anymore. Right. And, and he said to me, well, actually, I told him, you know, how long your resume is doesn't really affect how much time the recruiter spends looking at it because there have been studies done. What they did is they hooked up all these electrodes to recruiters' eyes and huh. brain, right? and they created a heat map. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know what a heat map is? Yes, I do. Yeah, it shows where you're focusing on. Yeah, it shows the screen and it shows in color, like red is where the most attention goes right. and yellow is a bit less and then green is, and then blue, where is, is the least. And it showed that recruiters spend the, the the six to 10 seconds, that's the average, by the way, that a recruiter spends scanning your resume. Mm -hmm. They spend six to 10 of those seconds looking at the top third of your first page of your resume. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, shouldn't I make my resume one page then? So, so he could see, or she could see all the, all the information. I said, but wait, I said, no. What that means is that your most relevant, your most important information should be in the top third of your first page of your resume. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? 
it, and, and where do they spend their time looking? They spend their time looking at your name and your contact information, the first one or two positions that you most recently held, so reverse chronological, and also if you have a profile statement or summary of qualifications or career highlights. Mm -hmm. That is what they spend the most time looking at, mm -hmm. which means if they say, hmm, this looks good, regardless of whether your resume is one, two, or three page, yes, sometimes three page resumes are acceptable, uh, especially if you're in education or government or academic or, or legal. Or even if you're in the middle of your career, then... Or if you're an accomplished executive, absolutely. You might, you might go beyond that. Absolutely. Now, I had a client who came to me with a 15-page resume. <laughs> Did he call it a book? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it depends where the person is from because uh, it's cultural too. For example, in Europe and mm -hmm. the Middle East, mm -hmm. uh, the CV... Right. Or the curriculum vitae is, is more common than a resume. And, and a CV is, what, what, is the, CV. what is the real difference? There's a lot of confusion about that. What is um, the difference yeah. between a CV and the, a resume? The, the CV, you elaborate on your education uh, experience a lot more. Right. So you might include the courses you took and the projects you did. You're a lot more detailed. So in a CV, you elaborate your education, not necessarily your, your previous employment history. Uh, oh, absolutely. You, you also uh, focus okay. on the So history. on all your experience, it's more it's of a list. like a list of your mm -hmm. history. Okay. Whereas a resume is much more of a strategic document or a marketing document. I see. So it's equally important in a resume to pay attention to what you do include as well as what you do not include. Hmm. You want to leave some stuff out to encourage the, the hiring manager to ask you questions or to elaborate. Uh -huh. Because then they're like, you know what? I'd like to find out more about this. I'm going to call that person in for, a, for an interview. Right. Whereas a CV is you pretty much listed everything there. Got so it. if you're going to work for NGOs, non-government organizations, um, universities, university professors, they would much more tend towards a CV hmm. style. But what was I saying? Uh, yeah. So if the, if the recruiter looks at the top third of your resume and says, you know what, this has a lot of information that, that, matches with what we're looking for, we're going to put it into uh, explore further pile. Mm. And then the hiring manager or the next step in the, in the hiring process is going to start looking at the second and possibly third page as well. I suppose, Bart, that, that if they, the recruiter looks at the first third of the first page or even looks at the first page and just does his six to 10 second scan, if they find something interesting that holds their attention, then they might just as well flip through to the second page and the third page and then put it into the in pile, right? Now, a recruiter typically, generally, I would say, doesn't do that simply because of the volume of resumes they have. I see. So it's, it's kind of like this. Um, and maybe you've had this experience or maybe some of the listeners have had this experience where the, you send off a job application and your first interview is with a recruiter over the phone. It's mm -hmm. a phone interview. And typically phone interviews are conducted by junior recruiters. Mm. So talking with a junior recruiter requires a different strategy than talking with a hiring manager. They have a form with check boxes mm -hmm. next to the questions. Their job is to ask certain questions 
and their job is to qualify or disqualify you depending on your answers. Mm -hmm. So if a recruiter asks you a yes or no question, you answer yes or no. Right. If a hiring manager asks you as yes or no question or a closed ended question, you would answer yes or no and give an example. Mm. But if you do that for a recruiter or a junior recruiter, you might confuse them. Right. Because, because they they're, looking for, they're looking for through the check boxes and saying, did he answer yes? Did he answer no? Yeah, but you give them a maybe and they're like, um, well, maybe I'm just going to put no. Right. So when, uh, to summarize the answer is when you're talking, when you, in your first phone interview, when you're talking with a junior recruiter who is asking you pointed questions, mm -hmm. just answer the question and don't elaborate. Generally speaking, now there's exceptions yeah. everywhere, but generally speaking. Makes sense. And I suppose the, yeah, the, the generality could be, could be identified by a gap. If there's a, if there's a gap where the recruiter stops talking, then maybe they're looking for you to give more of an answer. That could be it. Or they're writing, you know, another uh, yeah. reason why margins are so important on a resume. Oh, it's because then whoever is looking at a paper copy of your resume, yeah. they can take notes. And yeah, they still print out your resumes. So, and this is especially true if you're going for a panel interview, mm. you know, where you're being interviewed by a committee or a group of people. Uh, typically, you will notice that not all of them have laptops, but mm. all of them will have a paper copy of your resume. Uh, perfect. Makes so sense. by having margins and um, white space, which means don't crunch it together, but also don't spread it out too much. Right. Uh, you're giving them an opportunity or a place to take notes. And so what about references? Should people put references into the resume or when they're submitting a resume, should they submit references as well, both in as a general practice and when the employer requests references? Right. Uh, a very timely question. Two weeks ago, I did a YouTube video on this topic. Oh, great. And the short answer is no. Uh, back many years ago, uh, I don't see this as often anymore, although I do still see it occasionally, people would write at the end of the resume, references will be provided upon request. Right. Uh, that's pretty much common sense. There's really no need to write that mm -hmm. because if a, if a employer wants your references, they're going to ask, mm -hmm. right? They're not going to sit there and go, hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the first tip is the phrase references will be provided upon request. Take it out. Never put it on your resume. It, it, right. it serves no purpose, no strategic purpose. Mm -hmm. um, now, unfortunately, there are still employers who ask for references even before you're shortlisted as a candidate. They should not be doing this because managing your references is a professional thing to do. So, before I answer the second part of your questions, I'm just going to say that anytime you ask someone to be a reference for you, mm -hmm. treat them professionally and make sure that when your potential employer does say that they're ready to contact your references, get on the phone, not email, get on the phone to your reference and tell them and say that, you know, I'm very proud to say that I've been shortlisted and uh, this somebody from this or this company may be giving you a call or sending you an email shortly. Mm -hmm. So always, always do that uh, with your references. 
I've had several situations where a student would get, they would ask me, can you be my reference? Sure, of course, you're my student. I know you, I like you. Uh, you've done well in the course. And then a week passes, a month passes, and I forget. And then I get a phone call. Hi, we're calling for this and this. And I'm thinking, who, what? Right. <laughs> so, you know, you want to be top of mind in your reference. Mm -hmm. Always give them a heads up. So when you're doing that call, would you would you recommend um, giving the person who's giving the reference some hints on what that person will want to hear about? Perhaps some of the experiences well, yeah. that you had, and um, so coaching them a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with with uh, having a conversation with your reference. In fact, it's, I, I would encourage it strategically. It's a great move. Yeah. Uh, tell them what type of job you're applying for. Mm -hmm. Tell them what they're looking for. Tell mm -hmm. them what, what's important. Right. Uh, one of my references, because I still apply for contracts and so on, mm -hmm. uh, she always asks me, you know, what is it that you would like me to focus on? And we have that conversation. Right. I remember so calling, uh, when I was between corporate jobs and the company that I was applying for was going to check out references. And I called my previous boss and I said, hey, Reed, um, I'm, you're going to be getting a phone call from so-and-so and they would probably really like to hear about the, when I was, uh, when I won the salesman of the year award and when I increased the sales territory by 40%, those kinds of things. Exactly. Probably great stories that they would like to hear about. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as, as a, as a person looking for employment or managing their employment uh, seeking, you're, you're not only managing what you put on your resume, on your cover letter, but you're managing your, you're being a manager. You're managing your resources. You're managing your conversation with a recruiter. You're strategizing how to speak with the hiring manager. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces here that we need to pay attention to. So just to, to make sure I answer your, the, the other part of that question is that um, one of the ways, one of the best ways to demonstrate professionalism as a job seeker is consistency. Mm -hmm. And uh, branding yourself, right? So for example, a company, uh, every company has a logo, has a letterhead. I'm not saying you need a logo, but you need to be consistent with your header, mm. with your name, your contact information. Make sure that is consistent and the same on your resume, on your cover letter, and a separate document, a third document, which is your list of references. Hmm. Use the same header, use the same font, use the he same headings, this heading style, same bolding, so that when a hiring manager looks at all of these documents that you've submitted, they see that it's consistent. Mm -hmm. And consistency is, is a trait that is very desirable for every employer. You know, you, you show up consistently to work on time, you produ produce consistently high quality results, mm -hmm. and that all started by signaling that you are a consistent person through your written communication. Perfect. To wrap up, can you tell us a little bit more about where people can find you and learn more about what you do? Um, I think the best thing to do if people are interested in learning more about how to become an expert job seeker and how do you know if you're an expert job seeker while well, you find a job is to go to my <laughs> website which is bartzik.com. That's B-A-R-T-Z-Y-C-H.com. And from there, you'll be able to see clearly a link to my YouTube, YouTube channel, which is Kiss Coaching um, as well on YouTube. And that's where you can find a whole 
bunch of uh, free video resources on specifically how to uh, build and improve your uh, resume, as well as tips on answering uh, job interview questions and other uh, business uh, communication related information. But specifically, this channel is focused on resume and uh, job interviews and for job seekers. That's awesome, Bart. Thanks for that. And thanks. I'm sure there's a lot of great information for people there, job seekers and, and people who are employed right now and perhaps passively job seeking and things.